0: So today I have joining me Chandra Daimangudar, our VP of our Hartford Innovation Center, and joining him is Venkata Nanduri, our VP of Delivery. Our topic today is deep learning, um, AI machine learning. Um, So let's just go ahead and jump right in. Thanks for joining us, guys.
1: Hey, Tracy. Glad to be part of this.
0: Tell me what, you know, give me a definition. What is deep learning? And, you know, maybe I don't know, Chandra, if you want to tackle that.
2: Absolutely. Uh, hey guys. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. So th- basically deep learning is, is a, is, you know, we kind of interchange some time deep learning the machine learning and artificial intelligence. So the, the definite, the clear definition of deep learning is basically it's a hierarchical learning um, and it's type of machine learning where the, the, the layered algorithms architecture uh, to analyze the data. Um, and, and so I will give a brief, um uh, the differences between the artificial intelligence, machine learning and deep learning and and can mm-hmm. and, and deep dive a little bit on that and explain them. Basically artificial intelligence is is a technique um, which enables the computers uh, to to mimic a human behavior right um, machine learning is is, is, a, is a is a similar concept artificial intelligence but more AI techniques that give a computer ability to learn, uh, without being explicitly programmed to do so so there set of algorithms sort of self-learn at the data set and 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 collect the intel um, based on that, that in, in the layered approach
0: you, deep mean, learning
2: is basically those subset of machine learning you know that make up um, the the, the com- computation in the multi-layer uh, so neural network
0: is it would it be fair to say is machine learning when they're kind of making inferences they're making they're looking at that data and making judgments i say that they like yes. okay right yeah so you know with that definition of in mind um what are some practical examples of deep learning
1: hey um so i want to elaborate a little bit on the deep learning uh, uh, definition right okay so uh, where we have the machine learning being the uh uh where we are enabling the systems to uh, learn and behave like human beings or understand or interpret information like human beings, right? And uh, when somebody talks about machine learning, uh, you hear uh, jargons like uh, linear regression, Uh, you'll hear talks about uh, support vector machines, uh, random forest model, gradient model, things like that. So where you actually uh, perform X number of tests and determine uh, a fine point where uh, you achieve uh, a good level of perfection in the outcomes and you use that uh, to determine that this model has performed well or this point we, uh, where, we are, where we are right now is a good point where you can use uh, this uh, particular model that is generated by the system for, uh, for whatever be the purpose, if it's a regression model for regressional purposes, if it's a classification model for classificational purposes. While you do that, right? And that is done uh, more in two ways, whether you call it as a, a supervised learning or unsupervised learning. And supervised learning is where uh, you uh, create, get data sets, you determine upfront as to what the outcomes are going to be, and you determine the outcomes, you, you are in a way telling the system as to what the rules are in determining how to interpret a particular piece of information. So you have the uh, predefined outputs, and you have the inputs for the system. So you give it uh, what you call as, you train the system based off that data, and then you test the system based off the data, and then you predict data based off that system. So that Mm -hmm. is more of a linear approach. When it comes to neural networks, uh, you put this in multiple layers. And apply the same logic, then it is called neural network, right? So you have uh, multiple layers of the similar uh, uh, the cycle that I was explaining, right? And uh, applied through multiple filters, it is called neural network. And neural network uh, is uh, mimicked based out of our uh, human nervous system, where you have neurons, which it uh, where each of the neurons. Are uh, the data information centers or the knowledge centers, which actually communicate with the other neurons in passing the information from the brain to the rest of the body, right? So, neuro, it's pretty. Uh, it is modeled out of our human brain and human nervous system.
0: So much more, much more complex than much just a, com- a model that you're you're d- guiding it. It's a little, like you said, layered and, and much more complex. And and I'm imagining the results are going to be a little bit more. Dynamic,
1: right? More dynamic, right? So, uh, and in neural networks, uh, there are multiple types of neural networks. You have ENNs, artificial neural networks. You have recursive uh, neural networks. There are various types of types of neural networks. And when you have a one or two layers or three layers of neural network, you call it plain neural networks. But if you have many more layers of these neural networks, you call it, call call it as deep learning or deep neural networks. Okay. Right? The depth is uh, the number of layers you have differ- determines uh, the depth of it, right? That's where the word deep comes from. Like you have long, so much deep.
0: How long have we been, you know, I mean, AI, ML, I think we've kind of used those for a while. Where, where did deep learning really come from? How long has that term been around?
1: Uh, To start with, neural networks has been there uh, since the very first time, like the uh, phrase from uh, Alan Turing's 1950 paper, where he talks about uh, uh, the Turing test. I mean, it's paraphrased as Turing test uh, with a different name originally. Right. And uh, that's where you talk about natural language processing using neural networks. Right. So you have neural networks dated back all the way to 1950s. It's wow. not a new concept. Right. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's a uh, it's a these are the principles that's that, that have been there for a long time. And mm-hmm. people have uh, did not have the technology or the infrastructure to make sensible uh, to produce sensible outcomes from these inputs right with these techniques so, so you, need that... a lo- you need a lot of computing power to okay. produce something
0: meaningful so that's right? that's that's the why it's making such a even though it's been around since the 50s that's why it's it's yeah. now right where well, we're we're delving into this right away exactly.
2: exactly since the 50s then the machine learning came around 80s 90s you know, since 2010, you know the the concept of deep learning, as as Venkata mentioned. Now we have infrastructure, you have computation power. You know, and and I think
0: so. It's driven the by the hardware. Is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, The combination,
2: the hardware. right? Hardware and the software. Um, but I think also the the data-rich organizations are realizing they have a lot mm-hmm. of data is lying everywhere, haven't been yeah, uh, utilized. Well, that's
0: a- Right. That's a good question. Where, what kind of data is collected? Like, where, where are we getting all the data then?
2: Yeah. So, if I if I can take that, I know I go back to the question you asked earlier. What are some of the practical um, applications? So what are these use cases? To to nowadays, you know, uh, I think a few months ago, the Jeff Bezos from Amazon said that all of the deep learning and the artificial intelligence is going to become a something called horizontal enabling layer. Uh, for all organizations, whether it's the profit organization, whether it's the governmental institutions, uh, philanthropic institutions, all of them will, will leverage some sort of AI and, and deep learning techniques in their business model going forward. For example, today in all types of business, whether it's retail, uh, manufacturing, um, whether it's the the financial services and healthcare, right? So if mm-hmm. I can take one example in healthcare, today, um, even though deep learning is in the phase where the clinical side of it is still sort of in progress, I think, we haven't nailed down the, the models where the, the the deep learning models can give a clinical opinion, um, certain data. But underneath the surface, there are a lot of models being employed today which can predict um, the accuracy. Um, they can predict the... Um, the, 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 the pathology, the accuracy of the diagnosis, and the speed of the accuracy of the diagnosis. Um, they, the machine learning and deep learning heavily lev- being leveraged today in radiotherapy, surgical planning, um, as well as um, there's a big breakthrough in the, uh, the immuno-oncology, as well as um, some of the understanding the, uh, as Venkata mentioned earlier, the ANN and CNNs, where mm-hmm. the, the X-rays and the MRI images um, are fed into these deep learning models, they can actually look at certain images and and, and kind of predict um, a, a certain anomaly on, the, on the, these images much faster and much more accurately than human can do. So there's a lot of stuff going on in the deep learning space nowadays, and there's so many practical applications. I'll
1: give you one more example, most relevant, most known topic of the day. Right mm-hmm. Coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was watching on CNN, um, I think a couple of days ago, a day ago, or uh, yesterday, um, writes uh, about uh, a new saw company, uh, a software company that has now uh, determined a way to diagnose uh, coronavirus in its early early stages based on their lung tissue patterns. Where oh, wow. uh, so they are looking at uh, uh, certain lung patterns and determining the differences between how a common flu would look like versus uh, w- versus h one n one versus coronavirus, Covid nineteen, right? So they were clearly able to show so many examples. They said, still again uh, all these uh, learning patterns are only as good as your data they've tested it across uh, 300 samples but that's a uh, that's a very small data set considering mm-hmm. uh, the kind of data that ai and ml require right but still uh, which is uh, at least they are getting uh, a good uh, uh, good accuracy score uh, based on the further 300 samples that they took and they they have shared it with the government of a government with, they have shared it with cdc mm-hmm. they are trying to make it uh, bring it into usage across the country right it's still uh, approvals and all that process is still going on. A lot of red tape that's uh, mm-hmm. in front of fed mm-hmm. right? But still, uh, you can see within uh, within like how many months had we have we had it since maybe uh, December, late November, mm-hmm. since the outbreak, and very few cases within US. And uh, already we have a, a learning algorithm that can actually determine the COVID-19 uh, uh, cases. I mean, I won't say it's 100% there, but at least mm-hmm. they're able to figure out uh, patterns out of it and doing um, some samples as to uh, how the blotch that they see on the image determines whether is it going to be a COVID or is it going to be a normal flow.
0: Can I assume that, I mean, you mentioned the sample size was only 300, it, You know, et cetera, if they had a larger sample size, does that learning model get more sophisticated? more? Oh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, mm-hmm. the, the strength and the power of these models is purely based on data. Like Chandra was alluding before, uh, before uh, until recently, we did not have the infrastructure to even capture the data, right? Mm-hmm. Even if we had data, we had it in print, we had it on uh, paper. So there was no way to take it and consume it and convert it into a format that you can read and interpret. Right. Mm-hmm. You, have, you would have to do a manual calculations for all these uh, neural networks to do each perceptron, what each perceptron has to do and do the feature engineering. All of this used to be a, a manual exercise, the feature engineering, recursive feature elimination process. Everything used to be stemming, lemming. All these used to be a manual process. Now mm-hmm. you have machines that are very powerful that can do all of this in a very quick time. So you're able to turn around and uh, get things done much faster.
0: Well, you know, when I asked a second ago what kind of data, and in listening to your story, I literally was thinking, you know, ones and zeros, a table, a, tab- a database table, you know, actual text. But you're alluding to pictures as well. So, uh, what kind of data is, is collected and used?
1: Everything and anything, right? <laughs> Today's, uh, right, we're in the day, age of big data uh, where you take even plain, uh, uh, I mean, I know uh, we want to talk about natural language processing as well, right where you have uh, words that somebody speaks, you record it, convert it to text and make sense out of it, interpret it, right? You have uh, so many software, uh, so many models that were developed. And you can even say 2018 and 19 were the biggest years for natural language processing. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on the algorithms that we recently uh, found, right? Like we have a bird, Ernie, ExcelNet, right? We had so many uh, things that came in in the last couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. That's starting with language, mm-hmm. you can images. You mm-hmm. see all these uh, self-driving cars. They're looking at an image, classifying whether the image uh, is a moving object versus a fixed object, right? They're, they are um, transposing sonar signals sonar outcomes on top of the uh, images and saying, hey, the opposite object that I'm in front of is either a human being or a moving object with a car or a truck or what it is, right? So you can take images. Like uh, Chandra was saying before, you're taking tissue samples. You can take tissue samples and determine, uh, okay, uh, what is the probability of having breast cancer versus uh, Hmm. not, right? So there's so much research done in all these areas right um, And you're talking to and now you're talking about plane using uh, NLP and making contextual sense of NLP, right? That means if I say I've been to Paris and oh uh, this vendor was talking to me in then you should be able to fill that space saying French, right? Uh, and and wh-
0: let's back up a second. Can you just for our audience, can you clarify what, you know, what is natural language processing?
1: So uh, natural language processing is making uh, machines understand the natural, the languages that human beings speak, right? Are they interpreting
0: and like tone, anger, you know, emotions? It's, uh, it's an
1: ability to compute to analyze.
0: Understand
2: and and generate human language, including certain deep learning can do sentiment analysis as well of a given text. So Mm. uh, in in, in the certain uh, NLP natural language processing will give you that ability to to synthesize the data.
1: Hmm. Right. So like uh, Chandra was saying, right, um, you have so many uh, techniques in NLP these days, right? Uh, As I said, BERT was one of the biggest breakthroughs, which uses the transformer model, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Which is again, uh, using your uh, uh, deep neural network techniques, right? One of the most popular techniques you see see models that you see using is uh, LSTM that's used in your Siri. Right, you're a uh, uses LSTM deep neural networks, and uh, you have uh, similar techniques used in Google uh, Hub, and you have similar techniques used in uh, Alexa as well. Right, wow. uh, so they're all using the same algorithms, and they are speaking very contextually. Right, you have uh, Robert A. Right, Robert A. is again Robert, Bert is like. Bidirectional directional encoder representation of transformations, mm-hmm. which is a, one of the models that Google has developed. Robert is, it's a ro- rob, rob, robustly optimized version of uh, BERT. Similarly, you have uh, emotion cost pair extraction. Uh, I mean, these are the greatest things that were done in the last couple of years, right? The you, emotion extraction from a sentence, can you even think of that?
0: You mentioned a word you mentioned a word I want to come back to. You mentioned the word "context" because it sounds like obviously the more information, but why does context matter? what you know it's why what's 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 hows that going to make a difference in terms of deep learning and the the models that we're applying in machine learning?
1: Context is one of the biggest distinctions between human being and a machine,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: A machine doesn't understand uh, without context, uh, it doesn't understand. Uh, sarcasm <laughs> sarcasm exactly i'm uh, no kidding right he doesn't understand sarcasm it doesn't understand whether you mean it or not right mm. all right that means a whether a joke right whether are you saying uh, that yeah you're right or are you saying all right right it's like <laughs> you're just right. uh, exactly just what you said now right so it's like it, it doesn't understand uh, the distinction between uh your intent, uh, whether in both the cases, for it, it's plain English text or any other language text, which is uh, composed of uh, mm-hmm. alphabets, right? Which it in turn converts into ones and zeros. But mm-hmm. what it understands now with these uh, new sentiment analysis-based, context-based uh, algorithms is uh, it understands based on the uh, tons of data that we feed it, right? It it understands uh, how Uh, what that particular word or phrase means in a particular context when it occurs between these X, Y, and Z words, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the biggest breakthroughs uh, is that you have this bidirectional, right? Which flows forwards and backwards, right? These bidirectional uh, models have helped achieve this uh, success there big time. And you see even more success and progress in NLP these days because you're hearing more about it uh, uh, because of the supervised learning that you can do. So you can take a set of sentences. You can give it to feed it to the machine and say, hey, this is what my intent is, right? Mm-hmm. And then you can use this context to say that, hey, uh, now based on these uh, uh, 10,000 lines of uh, sentences I said and their, their intent. Uh, can you interpret to me the remaining uh, thousand lines, right? So it it gives you uh, something that uh, a human being will not be able to say within for by looking at the thousand lines, right? You're, that's how you're maturing the machines.
0: So when you say bidirectional, are you to me that implies that it's it's learning from itself? Then it's kind of make again making judgments and adjusting the model.
1: See. Uh, adjustments and adjust, uh, uh, learning within the model is called feedback loop, right? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. every single uh, neural network uh, goes to the feedback loop. It has, uh, it, it goes to the feedback loop so much so that it makes sure its error is close to the zero. Okay? Mm,
0: as close to zero as it can zero. get, right? right you know, as close it
1: as it can get. A million it's, decimal uh,
0: points. Right, right.
1: right. And uh, the feedback loop is always there. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I say bidirectional, as I was mentioning before, uh, you have a layer of uh, layers of networks, neural networks or perceptrons, right? Like I was explaining to you before, how mm-hmm. it is similar to a brain talking to the rest of the body, right? Mm-hmm. Through neurons. So the signals are tested from brain to the body, to your leg, and from your foot or leg to the brain. That's called bidirectional. So if both the sides of the communication, is properly perceived is per- perceived exactly the way it is supposed to be, that means it is working very well,
0: right? Mm, okay. So
1: you're passing information from the layer to the through the layers. If you look at it from left to right way, from left as well as from the right, right? So on both direction on both directions, if you're getting exactly the same result, that's the perfect uh, test for uh, the machine interpreting it the right way.
0: Okay, so we've talked a lot about kind of helping our audience understand, you know, what we mean by deep learning, what are these big concepts, which are really challenging to break down into a, something everybody can understand. We've kind of talked some practical examples, but really, you know, how how is deep learning um, truly helping to improve member experiences? How, how in everyday life am I going to be impacted by these huge, such huge concepts? I probably won't even know at the end of the day, we're you know, you won't even know
2: Probably, yeah. It would be seamless to most of the users, consumers, I think. For example, let's take a a very, very understandable concept. Probably most of our listeners will understand. Something called electronic health records, right? Mm -hmm. Or member health records. So if you go to your hospitals or your physician or call your health insurance companies, the payers, they all have this data. So a a practical application of a deep learning uh, in this space would be the most of the hospitals and most of the insurance companies collect this data for years and years. We're talking about data that hasn't been leveraged, mm. right? And millions and millions of members in a particular industry and, and leveraging that data, applying this deep learning. One example, when you go to a hospital, uh, there's something called electronic health records, right? So hospital users, it could be Cerner, it could be uh, uh, Epic or, or any other. EHR systems um, okay. so today what they do is they they use something called um, the the free tax uh, free tax medical data right so they as they go through the diagnosis of a certain um, patient they dictate um, free tax and that goes into the system there's a lot of data today that is accumulated not on the electronic data that comes with the claims and, and the eligibility and the benefit but as all well of these free text data, the dictation uh, from the from the provider, um, right now is notoriously messy, incomplete, and inc- inconsistent. Right, mm-hmm. so the modern um, um, the, the the virtual dictating softwares that are coming up nowadays that actually not only take this the free text data into a a system uh, set set up records. But it can also uh, apply certain deep learning algorithms to learn from what actually the physicians is saying in that data or that pretext.
0: Oh, um, so you don't have to worry about really bad doctor handwriting, which is <laughs> a joke.
2: But you know what? Not. You'll be surprised how much because I, I had some medical coding and billing background a little bit. I have seen the case management, the, the, the electronic health records in, in the case management side. I have seen some of the dictation like, oh, this does not make sense to me at all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I bet, right? no, I but bet, a, for real. <laughs> yeah,
2: as a user, as a consumer, you don't see the impact, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you are getting that, that accuracy, getting access to the clinical data, mm-hmm. you, you modernizing that, that, the flow of information, right? As well, you enhancing that information exchange between the ecosystem. Right, as oh, a patient yeah. and the and physician in done with error interaction, now data is leveraged entire ecosystem, including our payers, our, our industries to come up with a better medication, uh, better diagnosis, better uh, the value care, right? Mm-hmm. So this ecosystem can leverage a lot of these, these data, so they don't have to reprocess that data. Okay. So I want to emphasize on that word a little bit. Okay. To go back to what I said earlier, in the past, we always process the data, right? So today, through this deep learning, the data can be reprocessed and, and set in set of records can be leveraged by the ecosystem by these deep learning algorithms. So it becomes reprocessing the data become less frequent, more usable, and more accurate.
0: Okay. So, in I think to me that's a great example of uh, probably something that it's going to be seamless to me, like as an end user. I'm not going to know that you're capturing better data at the source. I'm not going to know, you know, that you're you're not having to you're not going to have incomplete records. It's just going to be in the end an improved level of of either diagnosis or medication or um, overall service and and hopefully better lives really to to, to people to humans.
1: Yep, I mean uh, there are many cases, right? Even uh, a few other that are a little bit literally visible for the consumers are chatbots that you see these days, right? The chatbots that you see are intelligent chatbots that actually uh, that actually uh, do that based off uh, again your LSTM algorithm. There's so many chatbots that are based off mm-hmm. LSTM algorithm that actually respond to you right and similarly uh, there uh, if you uh, go for order status or inquiry of where your medication is or where your, any other pieces all all that kinds of stuff you have uh, what do you call as uh, 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 again, classification algorithms, which actually do that for you today in the industry. There are so okay. many, uh, so many uh, uh, payers and PBMs who are already leveraging it. Some of our customers we know have, are leveraging it, right? So even when you send out an a, in a inquiry using email uh, to bring context to it, for instance, they can say, hey, how, uh, where is my order? right then based on the patient name details we go and query the database get the uh, member number get the uh, orders that the patient has ordered uh, recently and find out which one is still pending where the re- more recent orders are right we give a contextual response to an email that just comes with very few words or very little context
0: mm-hmm. right
1: so building all this context is not Uh, a a manual, simple manual thing, right? Typically, it would take uh, uh, an hour to two hours for somebody to do it manually and investigate it. But if you're having machines do that for you, you know, uh, with human-like intelligence, getting the context and doing stuff, right? That itself is uh, a big deal. Similarly, we do sentiment analysis with uh, feedback from uh, consumers, right, from members, uh, based on how your feedback is. Uh, you It's not manually, possible, physically possible to go through every single feedback and respond to them. So you do a sentiment analysis based on every single feedback you get, and whether is it a positive or negative feedback, and if it is a negative feedback, how do we go correct course correct ourselves, mm, okay. right? So things like that. And even I'm sure you must have seen in uh, most of the payer or provider uh, scenarios where uh, there is some level of uh, proactive uh, recommendations that you receive today, Mm -hmm. right? They're even called as medical scorecards where uh, you see that, okay, if uh, you are using certain medications, then or if you pass on your medical, if they have on record your medical records, Based on the uh, BMI, based on your uh, medication usage, uh, they determine okay, uh, you you'll be diabetic prone if you don't do uh, take care of your weight and things like that. Mm -hmm. There's a proactive preventive treatment and recommendations and suggestions that you get today from a lot of these uh, uh, companies.
0: Well, what are some examples? Um, how is a company like Galaxy contributing to those types of things, deep learning and those those like examples? You know, what are what are organizations like us doing?
1: Some of these case studies that I've just spoke about, right? Uh, these are some things that we are doing for mm-hmm. our clients or customers uh, who are like the top five PBMs and the top five payers in the nation,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: And uh, So we are helping them get there uh, Mm -hmm. because look at it this way for huge companies or large companies uh, to invest in something of this kind uh, on AI, ML or the niche uh, skill set, it takes a lot of time to uh, onboard uh, or bring in uh, teams of this kind and resources and all that a lot of red tape that they have to go through mm-hmm. while if they work with us where we, we are agile and quickly jump on the topic and uh, put our best brains at doing these kind of things <laughs> we may bring it to fruition for them at a much faster pace than have they have to do it internally with their own resources right so the machine
0: the machines still still need the brains they still need the human <laughs> brains.
1: yes
2: they affordable need affordable the computing
0: brain. power. Yes. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, that's actually a question I have. I'm going to ask you guys to predict, you know, the future a little bit here. I mean, a lot of people talk about AI, driving cars, you know, that kind of thing. What's the ten, next 10 years going to bring us? Like, what, what is it going to look like in, in 10 years? How much is machine learning and, and AI really going to change our lives?
2: So if, if, if I can take that question, and, and Venkat, I can add a little bit more detail. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when we talk about the AI machine learning and deep learning, we, we talk a lot about fancy stuff, right? <laughs> right? But there's a lot of stuff going behind the scene under the surface. Um, there's a lot of work going on in across all industries today. Uh, quietly, um, the companies are uh, looking at their data, right, the, the very data-rich uh, companies um, that they have collected over the years, um, mm-hmm. they're starting to realize, you know, there's a monetization o- opportunities as well, right, across all industries. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, uh, that's where, you know, I, I call a gold mine, right, the data gold. For sure. For sure. Uh, and I think slowly people are realizing that and and deep learning is been applied heavily in that space um, as well, you know, the much more sophisticated, much more glamorous examples of, you know, cars driving by themselves, which is reality today, mm-hmm. right? Um, as well, you know, some certain uh, aspects in the space industries, um, as well as the, the transportation industries, we can see that um, uh, some of these are much more, um, we can see through our own eyes.
0: mm Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think it was. Um, I want to say it was even 15 years ago. Walmart. I remember reading an article about Walmart and the goldmine of data they had, like the biggest database at the time in mm-hmm. the world of of uh, consumer data, because they they had implemented you know the, the databases to collect everything. And you think about now. You know that was 15 years ago. Where we're at today, um, as other technologies and other industries catch up. Like you said, healthcare. I think probably healthcare. My, you know, the thing that question that's on my mind is, you mentioned red tape earlier. There's a lot of laws that govern how we share in that data. How are we working around that, or or are we not?
1: We are right. We are working uh, with uh, in compliance with the uh, laws and uh, uh, all the uh, governance that is that is there mm-hmm. today, right, and. Uh, uh, we are working within that uh, confines so far, right? And uh, the AI ML portion itself, the techniques itself do not have uh, any set governance right now on top of them. But mm-hmm. the application of, them, of these techniques within the healthcare world is con- find by the healthcare governance laws, mm, right? Okay. So so there is a check and balance uh, on the application side, while there is no uh, check and balance yet on the uh, technology side, right? So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's still an evolving I can, uh, I can see that enough.
0: significantly gating, though, the, some advances, because if you're not able to, I get it, there's privacy rules and there's things that we have to go by, but I can see there's probably a lot of data we just don't have access to. We right. it well.
2: Yeah. So, data privacy, the especially you know, uh, in the healthcare, let's take an example, all the HIPAA mm-hmm. rules and the the protected information, the PHI data, right? So, the, the, you know, it, it, there is a lot of the lot of laws that protect the, the data privacy and data security, which is a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, um, if we can create, you know, come up with certain pattern using that data set to to help. Um, the ecosystem, the help the, the consumers, the patients, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and potentially predict certain uh, disease progression, predict certain models that highlight the example, you know, the hospital admissions and, and the ER visits, right? Uh, but all of that today is done within the framework of the HIPAA and the data privacy and data security.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, because that is very,
2: very important.
0: Is it siloed by, help me understand here, I know we're going a little off track of topic, but is it siloed by health plan, uh, health hospital systems? Like, who owns the data?
2: It's owned by everyone, right? For example, the healthcare healthcare insurance company we compare, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So they
2: have claims data, they have eligibility data, they have benefit data.
0: Mm-hmm. Hospitals
2: will have the electronic health records. They will have the medical admission data. They have.
0: But those aren't combined, uh, right? So the health plan and the hospital data is separate.
2: It is, and that's that's where the 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 uh, there are a lot of these EHR systems trying to get in there, and they have been for years, uh, mm-hmm. and and create that uh, member health record uh, using the EHR systems, okay, um, and create that end-to-end view um, of of a patient. Um, so that's
0: what you were referring to in your early example. That's going to be something that we'll be able to to right
2: right and and there are some some i know cms guidelines is coming up with, with certain inter, interoperability rules um because i think the biggest issue today is the different set of systems different set of application they don't talk to each other mm-hmm. even within the ehr for example mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. and hospital struggles with that if a, a ehr system is down uh, for 30 40 minutes guess what you're not collecting the data that has a big impact it, yeah. to the to the value right, the quality of the care, the cost of the care, the value-based care, all of that will have significant impact to hospitals or, or a a, uh, uh, a physician or PCP who's working, you know, mom and pops, the doctors, right?
0: Right, right,
2: significant impact. And I think that's one of the biggest issue right now is, is this interoperability issue where systems and applications don't talk to each other. Mm. Absolutely. Okay.
0: Um, I see we're we're kind of at the almost 50-minute uh, mark. Do you guys have any other comments before we, we wrap up? Shandra or Venkata? Uh,
2: nothing on my side. Um, a great discussion. I know there's so much to talk.
0: Mm, I feel so like so uh, yes, we're just
2: scratching the surface. Uh, <laughs> but I think, you know, Galaxy has been in this space for, you know, for many, many uh, years and, you know, decades, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, we have over time, we have built a certain, uh, uh, expertise and products, um, to help our clients, um, to, to deal with their day-to-day issues. Right. Uh, and, and it's very exciting. Um,
0: it's, it's very, it's super exciting yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, we
1: are, we are even working on patenting some of our products based on, uh, these AI and ML techniques, right? Uh, most importantly, deep learning. Uh, we have our own version of uh, uh, deep LSTM algorithms that we have used in some spaces. They're developed in mm-hmm. a homegrown, right? So uh, uh, we are p- patenting some of our. if you're
0: if you're interested in getting into this field uh you're a a high school graduate or or college going to college or i don't know you're 10 years old working on your computer at home what do you recommend what do you you know what do you recommend for for people to do what's their what should they their first step be
1: i mean statistics is a Mm -hmm. is the most important thing in this uh machine learning world right uh if you the other name for even machine learning is statistical Uh, learning so that's where everything starts and uh, basic programming would really help a learning of C or C++ kind of even any basic programming Python is easiest try out Mm -hmm. there if you can uh, dabble a little bit with Python uh, most easiest uh, user-friendly programming language and learn Python and uh, statistical learning uh, that those are the two things. If you uh, choose to get into, I think the rest of it will follow by itself, right? And problem solving skills. These are the three things that you should think about.
0: Okay. Well, I think on that note, um, we'll go ahead and wrap up. I, like you said, Chandra, we're just just barely scratching the surface of this. I'm looking forward to our further podcast discussions. And I thank both of you for your time today.
1: Thank you.